Welcome to the Innovation and Compliance Podcast, part of the Compliance Podcast Network. Join us every week as we talk with industry innovators who are making compliance to help business run more efficiently and at the end of the day, more profitably. Here's your host, Tom Fox. Hello, everyone. This is Tom Fox. Welcome back for another episode. And as usual, you are in for a treat today because I have with me Craig Carpenter. Craig is the CEO of a company called X1. And I have to say, that is the absolute coolest name of any company, of any product provider or service provider I've interviewed for a podcast. So, Greg, congrats on having the coolest name and welcome to the podcast. Thank you, Tom. I appreciate it. Real pleasure to be here with you today. And I'm happy to tell you where the name come from. I take it you have an interest in that. Sure. Anyone who kind of grew up in the 60s or 70s, I think, and had any interest in model airplanes, X1 was definitely one that you had. And you're an aficionado of the space race, you're an aficionado of, you said, the 50th anniversary, the moon landing, any of the right stuff kind of stories, X1 is a big part of it. So before we get to your professional background and how you got to the company, why don't you tell us about the name X1, what it means and how it really drives everything you guys do? Yeah, happy to do that. And you really did a good job of laying the foundation. So as people of our either a child of the 70s and 80s like myself or those of the 50s and 60s might remember either in the movie The Right Stuff or having lived through the space race to your point. So X1 was the name of the plane developed by Bell and piloted by Chuck Yeager that was the first piloted aircraft to break the sound barrier, break Mach 1 back in 1948. And so the people who founded this company, a guy named Bill Gross at Idea Lab in Pasadena, gave our company that name because it signifies innovation and doing something that no one else had done before and also speed being kind of a key element of what we do. So both of those things are kind of near and dear to our heart. Craig, you've had a really interesting professional background. I was wondering if you could visit with us for a few minutes about your professional background and how it brought you to X1. Sure. So I went to law school as a lot of people sometimes do because they're not quite sure what they want to do. I did love the law and my parents had always told me that I enjoyed arguing, which I don't know that they meant as a compliment. But anyways, I went to law school, enjoyed kind of the theory of the law and learning how and why it operates. And while I was there, I also went to business school, which added another couple semesters, but was also equally interesting in just seeing kind of how each of those areas overlaps with each other at times, et cetera. And so after grad school, I went and passed the bar and then started working a law firm, and I enjoyed the work. I don't think the law firm kind of environment was really a good fit for me and my personality. And so at the time, being a child of Silicon Valley and living and working out here, this was in the late 90s into 2000, all my friends were becoming paper millionaires and seemingly having a ton of fun, going to launch parties and working in the tech industry and what was called then the dot-com industry, but it was really tech more broadly. And so I went over and worked at a SoftBank startup that was one of the free ISPs that many of us probably remember back in the day that were very popular for gathering a bunch of eyeballs, but not so popular in terms of bringing in revenue. But what I found was I really enjoyed the environment. and I was able to use both my legal and business background in it. It was a good fit for me. It was a much more dynamic environment, much more, in my mind, a meritocracy. There was nothing remotely close to lockstep advancement or recognition of what you're doing, et cetera. And that's where I've been ever since really trying to focus, again, bringing it back to X1, on doing things in a new way and innovating and trying to fix problems in new and 
much faster, better, more cost-effective ways than have ever been done before. And for me, X1's been a great fit. When did you come on board with X1 and what's been your role since you joined the company? So I came over to X1 in September of 2018 as the CEO of the company and really trying to get us to the next level. X1 is one of the better kept secrets in compliance and legal and GRC technology. The company started about 15 years ago as a desktop laptop search productivity application. It would be software that would go on your laptop that would let you find all of your things, kind of like your equivalent to Google. We have since expanded that software stack and capability into being able to collect social media and web content for legal proceedings, but also allowing data privacy officers and heads of compliance and heads of audit and heads of e-discovery to be able to get access to and take action on employee information, wherever it may sit, in a very scalable, fast fashion that doesn't disrupt those employees doing their job at all. And it could be data that's in the cloud, it could be data on a laptop, data on a server, or data on social media platforms. So in that way, we view ourselves as a very compelling kind of last mile that can be utilized effectively in a bunch of different scenarios, like audit of PII and like better, faster collection of data for a legal proceeding or internal investigations or as part of an M&A transaction. But in my role at X1 as CEO, first was really to make sure that we have the right team in place and make sure that we're focused on the right areas of the market. And then frankly, especially after we closed our Series B round of funding to help us be really disciplined in terms of what problems are we trying to solve for which customers, who are we selling to, so that we can be very, very focused. Because you know the biggest challenge that most startups have is maintaining focus, especially when there's market fit in a bunch of different areas like there is for us. We can solve 10, 15, 20 different problems, but we're too small a company to try to do that simultaneously. So we need to be really, really good at solving one or two problems that our clients have and then just have a laser focus on those. And that's really what we've been doing since I've been on board 15 months ago. Well, then I'm not quite sure how to suggest the next area of inquiry because it occurs to me that with the laser focus you have on just a few problems, it's actually quite a wide variety of issues internal to a corporation that X1 could help with. And as you know, many of my listeners or in the compliance space, they may be lawyers, but they could well not be lawyers. So I was wondering if you could say a few words about the distributed GRC solution and the social discovery solutions and what they are so that I can tee up a next series of questions for you. Sure, happy to. So distributed GRC, the name is meant to convey the fact that it's actually, the software itself is out where the data resides. So as opposed to if you're a data privacy officer or a compliance officer and you need to figure out and you, some of your employees have or don't have certain information, you tend to focus on the server-based stuff, right? Something sitting in Exchange or sitting in Salesforce or whatever because it's easier for you to get to. The challenge is where a lot of the key data is, is actually out in the wild, so to speak. And that's our sweet spot. So distributed GRC is kind of a two-part product. The first is software that sits on an endpoint, and the most common endpoint is a laptop or a desktop, wherever it may sit. It can be in a corporate headquarters, it can be anywhere in the world, and Road Warrior, et cetera. And then the second part to it is a command and control layer that is managed by the DPO or the compliance officer in conjunction with IT typically. And what that 
product allows these people to do is to reach down into any data source and data type, again, be it on a laptop or on a server or in the cloud, and figure out what data is there and then take action on it. So it can be part of CFPB investigation or inquiry. It can be part of a PII sweep, either related to things like GDPR or California CPA, or just looking for harassment or other indicators of that. We allow people to run queries throughout their entire corporate information environment to find what they're looking for so they can take action on it. The sister product that you mentioned is called X1 Social Discovery. And what it does is perhaps the same person or perhaps someone else in kind of the compliance or legal or privacy office corporation or their outside service providers are going to need to see or get access to social media information. As we all know, increasingly these days, people communicate using social media, you know, whether they should or shouldn't. It depends on the scenario, obviously. And increasingly, social media information is relevant to some corporate need. It could be the company getting sued. It could be the company getting investigated. It could be HR doing its own investigation. It could be an audit to make sure that a company doesn't run afoul of SEC rules or DOJ rules or whatever the case may be. This same piece of software is allowing this particular person or set of people to get access to social media information. And then really importantly, collect it in what's called a forensically sound fashion so that hopefully not, but at times this information becomes evidence either with a regulator or in court. And with excellent social discovery, you're able to not just collect it, but you're able to collect it in a way that can then become evidence in a court of law or with a regulator that is forensically sound. So if I could translate that into compliance ease, I tell people the three most important things in compliance are the following, document, document, document. And it occurs to me that's really just what you described with an audit trail. So that if a regulator, if a lawyer, or if a compliance officer needs to take a look at something, there's documentation of it, but there's also a clear audit trail back so that you can determine the source of the information if you need to really go and do a deep dive. Would that be a fair assessment? That's spot on, Tom. As we see increasingly these days, and the best example is probably, you know, the 2016 election and the various aspects of it and things that were done and misinformation, et cetera, et cetera, be it real or alleged, doesn't matter. The point is data can be manipulated today. And to your point, documentation and information can be manipulated. So the ability to put a piece of information in front of somebody, be it a regulator or a judge or a jury or whomever, and be able to very credibly and in a legally sound fashion prove to them that the information you're putting in front of them is what it portends to be is critical because this can result in multi-million or billion dollars swinging one direction or the other because if the key piece of evidence can't be what's in a court of law called authenticated, it can't be submitted to court and it can't be used to support your side of the case. So it's really, really important that the documentation be sound and to your point, the chain of custody be accurate, et cetera, et cetera. And you want to be able to prove that without having to hire a phalanx of lawyers or consultants to do it for you. When we started this podcast, we introduced the name X1, and I'd like to change the focus sort of from legal and compliance to really the X1 name and what it signifies by asking some questions that that perhaps move away from GDPR compliance and into business productivity. Because the other thing that really struck me in researching you guys for this podcast was your emphasis and the company's emphasis on speed. To me, that equates to business productivity, greater business efficiency, and at the end of the day, greater profitability. How does the X1 solution help 
in the area of speed, business efficiency, and business productivity? Well, actually, I mean, we spent a lot of time and I spent a lot of time talking about compliance and risk management and stuff like that and talking to data privacy officers and heads of compliance and folks in the legal departments. But the genesis of X1, to your point, Tom, it's about the quick access to the right information. That's really why the company was founded. So if you look at how X1 is used, and we have 600,000 users globally that use our software every day, a good chunk of them actually use it for productivity purposes, as you're describing. And that's the context of I'm sitting in front of my laptop and there's a piece of information that I need to find in order to remember what it said or to share it with somebody else or to do something, right? Make some decision of some sort. And we're all swimming in so much data these days, finding the right information in a timely fashion is business critical. So 600,000 users every day use our software to access the right information and then be able to act on that for their own productivity purposes. And that's really the lineage of the company. We've expanded the set of use cases for which that outcome is attained into the arenas we've been talking about. But that the, the heart of what we do is giving people access to that information instantly. And that's invaluable. I mean, you don't have to be a lawyer or an accountant or a doctor to do that. Your average individual contributor at any company in the world can benefit from that but it tends to be increasingly important for those who bill for their time, for example, or people who measure their own productivity based on output per minute, per hour, or per day. Those are the ones who tend to be our most rabid users and followers. Craig, in the last few months, the Department of Justice has had two very large releases of documentation around its expectations or best practices compliance programs. One was in the anti-bribery, anti-corruption area. One was in the antitrust area. OFAC also released a document entitled the OFAC Framework for Trade Sanction Compliance Programs. One of the key themes from all three of these documents was not simply ongoing monitoring, but the use of data analytics on an ongoing basis to help prevent and detect violations. I was wondering, how does X1 assist in this data analytics mandate for ongoing monitoring? Well, we were gratified to see that guidance from the DOJ and you know, OFAC, for those who imagine your listeners are very familiar with OFAC and things like CFIUS and that sort of thing. And I'll tell you what our reaction to it and the way we interpreted it was, was, listen, it's great that you have a policy and it's great that you send out questionnaires and it's great that you bring that information back and you make decisions based on that, but you need to actually verify that what you think is happening is happening. Because if we as a DOJ can use relatively mainstream analytics tools and technology to find things, you need to be able to find those same things. It's not just on us, right? We're the regulator because you have to mind your own store at least as well as we do. That's how we interpreted things. And I think where a lot of your listeners, if you look at what the most common way of approaching these regulatory and compliance issues are, is what I was just describing, which is you have a policy, the policy has been vetted, the policy has been distributed, the, the relevant workforce has been educated on it, and then there are regular and sometimes spot check questionnaire type things that go out, and maybe there's a little bit of sampling of data on the server side, but most entities don't go beyond that. And what the DOJ was trying to say is you need to go beyond that. You actually have to use technology 
to validate these things. And it's not enough to have a policy and have questionnaires. That's just not enough. So where we come in is we're that last mile validation piece. So you have your policy, you know, you have your questionnaires from various people and conversations you've had and interviews, et cetera, getting down into the data itself to make sure that certain things are or not happening, even if it's just a function of sampling things on a quarterly or biannual or annual basis, that's fine because that is really getting at the spirit of what the DOJ was saying. And where X1 helps practitioners do this is we allow access to data to be able to sample either an analytics engine or do some level of sampling in our own application very, very quickly and very cost effectively. So I think if you marry the two things, which is DOJ, OFAC, et cetera, guidance about taking that next step and validating that things are or not happening with a very scalable and cost-effective technology that does not disrupt the user at all, that supports the ability to validate what the DOJ is asking for in any number of analytics engines or platforms, that's a really good fit. And so that's why we're seeing a lot of success in the compliance world, because it really helps those people do their jobs that much better and adhere to guidance from the bigger regulators. Craig, you mentioned CFIUS, and that is an area that, while I think many compliance practitioners have heard that acronym, they haven't had to deal with it specifically as yet, but now they are having to do so. Is that something you're helping your customers and clients with for CFIUS reviews as well? Yes. So, ironically enough, the platform you described, you mentioned earlier that we were talking about distributed GRC, was built for a CFIUS investigation. And so sure, most of your readers or many of them are familiar with CFIUS, but effectively high level CFIUS stands for the Committee for Foreign Investment in the U.S. And it's typically when a foreign actor makes an investment in or acquires a U.S. entity that the CFIUS committee deems to be quote unquote sensitive, right? And it doesn't have to be related to the defense industry. It doesn't have to be related to sophisticated encryption technology. It can be things that involve our grid in the U.S. It can be things that are deemed to be important by this committee. And the scope of what's covered by CFIUS has broadened over the course of the last few years. And we anticipate it will continue to broaden. So when this happens, what the committee wants to see is that sensitive information is not accessible to certain actors. And to use kind of a prototypical example, let's say a Chinese company or Chinese government is acquiring a U.S. company or U.S. technology company. There will be a lot, if not broad swaths of information that the U.S. government and CFIA specifically will not want to go with that transaction. And so it is incumbent upon the U.S. entity to ensure as part of an audit that that doesn't happen. And so what they do is they use our technology to effectively query and search the entirety of the information that would be going with the entity in that transaction or that the acquirer or investor could have access to to ensure that the sense of information that CFIUS cares about is not accessible to those parties. And CFIUS, again, just to continue kind of hopefully educating those who aren't familiar with it, the committee has very, very broad authority and can shut down any transaction, frankly, without asking questions. So a CFIUS investigation and audit is something that you really don't trifle with because you either pass it and you're fine or you don't, in which case, best case scenario is you get fined pretty heavily and there probably are front page material in the journal of the times. Worst case, the transaction isn't allowed to go through. So our technology is very effective because we can not only get the server data and some of the structured data as well to ensure that that's compliant, but stuff on laptops and desktops that people 
where they work is also compliant is kind of the key hidden element that we're really good at attacking. Greg, unfortunately, we are near the end of our time, but I was wondering if listeners wanted more information on X1, where could they go? Well, please come visit our website at www.x1.com or can certainly reach out to you, Tom, and you and I know each other and you know, be happy to have a conversation with people. Well, Craig, this has been a fascinating conversation and I greatly look forward to continuing it. So thanks again. And like I said, continuing the conversation. That sounds great. Thanks, Tom. Really appreciate it. If you're a compliance professional looking for a convenient and effective way to fulfill your continuing education requirements, go to fcpacompliancereport.com slash courses and choose from four hour-long training packages that will keep you current. That's fcpacompliancereport.com slash courses.